Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Rob Catalano, the Chief Engagement Officer at Work Tango in Toronto. Rob started off studying marketing at Ryerson University, and he worked at a marketing agency. But he soon realized that all the concepts studied in school about marketing, such as theories of motivation and why people buy products, plus all the analytics and data that are available about customers, None of that marketing magic was as interesting as what happens when you apply it to the workplace to create real engagement and attraction. Rob spent 11 years at Achievers, a Canadian startup dedicated to finding new ways to help companies engage and energize their employees. He led the customer success department and expansion efforts into San Francisco and London. After Achievers was sold to California-based Blackhawk Networks, Rob still had passion for improving the, the workplace, so he moved back to Canada and co-founded WorkTango, a platform that helps make it easier for companies to hear the voice of their employees and build better employee experiences. Rob, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. We're delighted to have you. Um, we're going to get into what WorkTango is and understand a little bit more of you about your journey. But first, I want to just set expectations with our listeners who are very busy entrepreneurs and they want to know, is this going to be worth their time? So what do you think are the top pieces of advice or insights that you hope that entrepreneurs will take away from this conversation? Yeah, so I guess a couple of things. One is just uh, building a culture to uh, to be able to succeed whatever your vision is. Uh, we know you can't do it alone as entrepreneurs. So that's kind of a a main one from my end. 
um, you know, any advice from a marketing and sales perspective? I spent a lot of time uh, doing that in my past. I'm happy to uh, to give some insights from that perspective, uh, and really just uh, kind of get some some color in terms of motivation uh, and how a vision and a purpose is really important in, in getting people on the same uh, same wavelength. Perfect. Okay. Um- I'm, I'm torn whether to start with uh, Achievers or Work Tango. How would you sum up your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned a bit of it earlier, but, uh, you know, first organization, I meant, as you mentioned, that marketing agency was three people. It was still in school and uh, saw something grow from three to 100 in a, you know, in a very short period of time and just fell in love with that whole experience. Um, what's interesting is that when I was sitting at that agency um, and would sit one day a week at our large customers and we're talking, you know, large global organizations. Um, that's when I kind of told myself right there that uh, that just wasn't for me. <laughs> How slowly things went, uh, you know, just a lot of red tape. And, and I kind of said that my next version of, of me won't be at one of those large organizations, especially when you think from a marketer perspective, right? But you want to kind of work with those big global brands. Uh, I knew that I didn't want to be in those large companies. So that's when I, I said, let me start somewhere small. Uh, and uh, and where I can make an impact, and that's where where it kind of started with Achievers back in '05. Wow, dating myself. <laughs> right. So so it was still called I Love Rewards back then, I guess. Yeah, actually, I Love Rewards. It just rebranded from uh, Snap Promotions. Actually, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. it was back in the day. <laughs> right, right. Um, tell us a little bit about Achievers. It had it, it had quite the journey. Um, Tell us what it did, because I don't think I could explain it as well as you. And and how big was the company when you joined it? Yeah, so when I joined, it was a handful of folks, four or five. Uh, and it started by Razor Sulman, who's done some really great things from an entrepreneurial and, and tech perspective. But um, the uh, you know when it uh, when it started, really the goal was changing how organizations rewarded their employees. Um, so what I mean by that is typically when in, when companies were spending, you know. Uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars were rewarding their employees. It was rewarding them with a reward that, you know, they weren't really interested, right? Like uh, golf clubs or things that they may or may not enjoy. Um, and it was very infrequent. It was in the annual uh, years of service program or recognizing people every five years. Um, so right. what the company tried to do is to say, well, that's not frequent enough for how fast, fast companies move. The reward system has to be bitter, bigger. Uh, sorry, better uh, and bigger, and uh, basically <laughs> not bitter. <laughs> yeah, not bitter at all. Uh, yeah, actually, that's that was the challenge. People were getting recognized, you know, once every five years, and it was a bitter experience and kind of a waste of those dollars. Can I tell and- you what happened to me? I, <laughs> I I I I was at worked at a company for many many years, and then they decided that it was time to recognize employee service. So suddenly. Everyone who had been there for 10 years got a special gift. I had been there for 14, and I got nothing. And I thought, it's, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, like, the whole se- the whole thing is flawed, right? Like, you might be the rock star employee. You might be the person that's been floating for a decade, and you both get rewarded the same way. <laughs> right? That's it's right. just broken. Yeah. Um, so what we tried to do, and actually what we did at, at Achievers was build really the best of both worlds. So it was a, a better rewards system where people could uh, earn their rewards via points, redeem for anything they'd like. Right? We had people who were motivated to get something right away and some people that hoarded their points. And I literally furnished my condo using those points. I never used them. I was a hoarder. But it was to the motivation to the individual. Uh, but at the end of the day, rewards were 
the least uh, exciting thing when it came to, uh, and at least from a margin perspective, uh, than it came from a recognition perspective and leveraging technology to do that. Um, so really what, uh, I mean, really kind of supported building a new category where we leverage technology to help organizations recognize each other, peer-to-peer, not just top-down, um, and being able to amplify the values, behaviors, what you wanted to see most in an organization. So it wasn't once every five years. It was in the moment, real time, tied to a behavior. And that's where, uh, and that's where you know, things really took off. Like we were going up against companies. I'm not even exaggerating. They've been around for over 100 years selling rewards to organizations. And then this little I Love Rewards had a better technology approach uh, and more cost-conscious way and better benefits, right? Not a bitter <laughs> approach uh, to be able to really change the game. So that's uh, that's really what we're, we're sorry, what Achievers was all about. And uh, and I spent 11 years kind of down that journey from uh, that small to you know 300 plus employees when it got acquired in 2015. And uh, and that was Blackhawk Networks. Um, and 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 part of the deal was that uh, Achievers would, I think, I, I think part of the deal was that Achievers would continue to run with a certain amount of autonomy and with its own brand name, and that's still happening. Yeah, you know, they got uh, acquired by Blackhawk, to your point. Actually, Blackhawk since then got acquired by a private equity firm, so that of adds course. another layer of, you know, <laughs> of complexity to that world. Uh, but in, you know, Achievers was kind of the sweetheart, got acquired and was really allowed to, uh, to operate uh, as is. I didn't spend a lot of time there after the acquisition, uh, but uh, still in touch with a lot of the folks there right now. Great. And it was certainly a great Canadian success story. And it, yeah, it, it, it and I know that it evolved over a series of steps and pivots. And so it didn't actually end up doing what it set out to do, but it did change the, 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 the way people approach uh workplace recognition which is you know astounding for a canadian company yeah and i think that's the biggest thing right it's it's navigating it's pivoting it's it's you know you know finding success and not just being so hell-bent on doing something a certain way and listening to the market so i think the company did a really good job uh especially in an uncharted territory like there were not a lot of companies doing that from a a recognition technology perspective and uh, a lot of naysayers but it was just it was really cool where you brought on a great team and everyone you know, had a vision uh, that Razor set out for for everyone, and, and you know that's where we kind of went to. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Work Tango. It's sort of in the same kind of area, which is uh, sort of disrupting the way uh, employers deal with, hear from, and encourage and motivate their employees. Yeah. So uh, we couldn't build another recognition program, or else we get sued. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, to add a little color to that, and I think it gets you know to my point about passion earlier, is that we got acquired by Blackhawk. Um, you know, nothing wrong with Blackhawk, but uh, they were an organization that built uh, basically technology that allowed better reward systems in organizations. So when you go to Shoppers Drug Mart and buy uh, you know a gift card, they created that that technology. Um, and you know, I don't know all the reasons why they acquired us, but in many cases, I would think it was to sell more rewards to employees. Um, but we created a technology to, you know, we were reward agnostic, right? It was more about the valuation on the technology and, and impacting behaviors every day. And for me, it was, uh, you know, I, that wasn't the, the passion that I had. It was really about changing the workplace. You know, like you mentioned in the introduction, I studied marketing, studied analytics, and all those things I was, you know, viewed from a consumer perspective. Like, I didn't care why anyone bought, you know, shoes or a purse. It was more motivating to know why people stayed at work and why they were motivated and gave extra effort. 
So, um, so basically, I was living at the UK at the time uh, when when we got acquired uh, at Achievers, and was still really passionate about uh, improving lives at work. And actually, that we created our passion statement. Um, it's called improve improve work lives, and work is in parentheses because uh, people spend most of their wasting you know, waking time at work, anyways. Um, and, uh, and and basically said, Listen, sorry. So that means that if you improve their work life, you improve their lives. Basically, yeah. Which is right? which is very profound, yeah. Yeah, and we didn't want a mission statement because missions end. <laughs> so we created our passion statement that we rally you know, the team around. Um, but with that same level of passion, that same interest, and in kind of what we were doing at Achievers, just in a different way, we started WorkTango. And then the problem we were solving was that, um, and it was very similar to what, you know, the issues when it came to workplace management, like the, the rewards days at Achievers, was when, when companies wanted to hear the voice of their employees, they would do an annual survey. It would be painful for everyone involved, right? Employees <laughs> filling out you know, 95 questions. They, it would take three to four months to get the data or insights in a big PDF deck from a vendor. And by the time the HR usually ran these initiatives, by the time HR got it and then put it into the hands of leaders that could actually do something about it, right? Especially in middle and in large organizations, that took another couple of months. And then you had this stale insight and data that was being given to leaders that no one was acting on because the next survey wasn't for another year and there was no accountability to move. Um, so basically it was broken and we wanted to create a way to help companies get the voice of employees in real time um, for an in, in, in inclusive of every employee, whether they're on technology or not, um, serve that information, not just HR, but any leader in an organization uh, in real time as well. So many companies, especially HR departments, they can't you know, handhold every leader and what they're doing. They're trying to enable them with the insights because um, that's where engagement and performance really happens at the leadership level. Um, so we you know, built technology to make that happen in real time uh, and different ways to see insights, whether it's predictive analytics or natural language understanding on, on the comments. We know it's hard to read thousands of comments. Uh, so how do you make sense of what the employees are saying? Uh, and then leverage technology to nudge those leaders with recommended actions and learnings to, to at the end of the day, change behaviors, right? We created WorkTango because there was this, just this compliance check to say we have to do this annual survey and no one was doing anything about it and there was no accountability. And we want to turn it around and say if we get that data in real time, we do it more frequently to build accountability. We serve it to leaders and help them act. Um, that's the, the the problem we're really trying to solve. And uh, um, and it still lived that passion that we had back in uh, you know what we did in 11 years at Achievers. Cool. Uh, what's what what is sort of the current state of Work Tango? How many people are there, and how many of them are from Achievers? Yeah. So the, there's only two from Achievers, which okay. were the original co-founders that we both uh, both went on that journey for 11 years. We actually lived together in San Francisco for four years. We just couldn't get rid of each other. <laughs> Decided to come back and start the organization. But uh, everyone else is uh, people we've hired. We're about 20 employees full time now, with another 10 peripheral that you know are, are working on a lot of other items uh, from a part time perspective, uh, and offices in Toronto, Ottawa, and Denmark. So uh, you know, not just uh, not just Toronto, like uh, where it started. That's fantastic. And uh, can you tell me the names of some of the clients that you're doing work for? Yeah, so we have the pleasure of working with some uh, some awesome, let's say, high tech growth companies like you'd know in Canada, like, like the Touch of Bistros of the World, Tulip Retails, etc. Uh, but we've built an enterprise level technology, and we work with organizations like Deloitte, RSA Insurance, the City of Toronto. 
um, just large companies that are complex and trying to get the the voice of their organization, uh, and even large tech companies like Expedia, Magic Leap. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, and not just in Canada. We have the pleasure of operating in about 35 languages in about 80 different countries. Um, so it's been a lot of what we learned at Achievers was, you know, how to build scalable enterprise technology. And we're able to kind of hit the ground running from that perspective. Wow. 35 languages. That's, that's complex. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, if you think about, and, and that's the thing, right? Companies are complex. Hearing the voice of employees are complex. And, and even though there's some really great Canadian companies that only have staff and talent here, I mean, the reality is, is, you know, uh, they have you know, employees all across the world. So uh, we needed to make sure that uh, in that same spirit of, I said, you know, being inclusive of hearing the voice of employees, uh, the languages had to, to follow suit as well. Tell me how WorkTango works. How do you hear the voice of the employee? And are, are, are you listening in on all their conversations? How is that, how is that data coming in? Yeah, so I mean, we've built some really interesting technology to, you know, uh, you know, again, hear conversations when people are typing an email in Slack or even from an audio perspective. But I think the the world isn't really ready for that. The idea is not listening to people when they're not actively ready to give you feedback. So the way that we actually get feedback is through survey methodology. So we have, um, whether it's our validated, whether it's statistical relevant or you know seen from a workplace organizational development perspective, our customers leverage our platform to send large, small, quick pulse surveys to their organization. Um, and it could be at any cadence that works for them. So some of our customers might do this giant thing every year like they're used to, but many are getting more frequent where every you know, two weeks or every month there's a quick couple of questions or, um, uh, or really on an ad hoc basis to get feedback over what's happening in the organization today. Um, so maybe a good context to add there is our customers leverage our platform not only to get feedback on an engagement survey, which you know, most people recognize and have done uh, in their organizations as an employee, but for any initiative that you have. So it might be feedback through onboarding, it might be feedback through a major acquisition, a big change management initiative, uh, all the way to exit. So basically through the employee lifecycle, uh, our customers can get those quick pulse surveys that employees can fill out anywhere on any device, right? Whether they're you know on technology or can you know, need to do it from uh, from another device at work. Um, and what we do is we take all those insights um, and in real time can start serving that insight into an organization in whatever view the organization wants. So what I mean by that is you might want to look at sentiment of your employees by a department or a location or you know, their gender or their generation, or think about, you know, any piece of data or attribute you have on an employee, if you can start seeing sentiment isolated by any of those, you can immediately identify smoke before fire. So your sentiment might be really negative or low in a department or a team or an individual leader. And that insight can now start providing some some valuable uh, um, kind of focus of action. And, and when I say insight, there's a couple of levels there. It's not just the the data analytics part. It's the open-ended sentiment that I was mentioning earlier. So we do you know themes and sentiment on employee comments uh, collected through those quick uh, pulse surveys, um, and even predictive analytics to let you know if you're trying to drive something, let's say engagement in your organization. How does the platform identify where you should spend your time? Um, we know many business leaders or HR leaders can't solve all the world's problems in one quarter. There's, there's that things going on in an organization every day. Um, so we use data to predict where they would uh, spend the, the most time um, and, and see the biggest impact. 
Um, so, you know, kind of was mentioning earlier is that data sitting in the hands of a CEO or an HR leader, you know, it, again, they can't go in and individually act for each leader in the company. Um, and that's where a lot of companies fail. So they take all their data from a survey. They say, we, you know, we're not doing well in X, Y, and Z. And then they try and fix that. But a one size fits all solution doesn't help. So what we do is based on that data, we collect through the surveys, then we serve it out in all those different ways, but serve it out to, to anyone you'd like. Um, so in that example, you know, some of our you know, large retail customers might have every store manager, a thousand of them seeing insights just for their store. And now they can actually move on that and support action uh, based on what their team is feeling. Uh, so that's kind of how the mechanism of how we collect data and, and just gave you high level on how some of the insights are, are defined. But um, not sure if you want to double click on that and, uh, and, and ask any more questions <laughs> about that. Uh, yeah, I do want to double click. I had, <laughs> I had the impression that using uh, natural language programming and everything that I didn't think you were bugging the bathrooms, but it sound like, sounded like that was the sort of thing. But if you're just doing sort of pulse surveys, how is that really different than the old paper-based uh, surveys? Yeah, so a couple things is that when you start getting into uh, a bunch of things, confidentiality, it's huge. Um, so what's great is we actually collect and, and, and basically upload all the employee data from our customers uh, into our platform. So now you don't have to ask employees what department they're in, what location they're in, all the data you want to see insights on. Um, and our system knows that information, which allows all that insight to be shared in real time. Okay. So, so that's where you get a little more magic in terms of um, you know that, that real-time insight. Uh, and also from an employee perspective, it's less questions, it's a better experience. Um, their thoughts about confidentiality are heightened because they're not answering, you know, stuff about themselves. It's really hard to get real feedback when the first five questions of a quick pulse survey are, who's your leader? What department are you in? What city are you in? <laughs> right? So uh, it makes their experience a lot better. And, and the biggest value we see from our customers is data integrity. So we hear all the time that when you know people are using paper or you know a standard do-it-yourself survey tool, they're like, "Why is my response rates on the marketing department 145 percent?" <laughs> because that we left it to employees to fill out data about themselves that you already have sitting in a system. Um, so it's huge value from that perspective and the confidentiality. Now you didn't know that I was sitting in the audience when you were doing a pitch competition three or four years ago, but I remember <laughs> you said that, and and I looked into it, and it was pretty much true that eighty five percent of employees are disengaged, and it costs company companies billions of dollars. Are you moving the needle on engagement? Yeah. So what's really cool is some of our customers are use, are moving the needle on engagement in a whole. Um, so there's different ways to measure engagement and we have a methodology. So we've seen some organizations see, you know, um, you know double digit percentage increases in less than six months, um, which is awesome. Um, what's also great is engagement is kind of an output measure, like are people engaged, but then there's all these inputs. So is it recognition? Is it leadership? Is it communication? And we're starting to see you know, movement on those drivers as well. Um, so it, it's it's what's great is we're starting to see that trust levels are being built up. Um, and what's cool, it's not just engagement. Like some companies are measuring, you know, sentiment around diversity and inclusion and, and starting to see more trust from that perspective or people willing to bring their full self to work. So we're definitely seeing results, which is awesome. Um, and I think it goes to that frequency and real-time results so people can actually do something about it. It's not that I want to give you a chance to brag, but I'm <laughs> curious. 
Um, what's sort of the uh, client? Uh, sustainability rate, whatever the opposite is of, the, of an attrition rate. Do you find that you're pretty sticky? Have you? Do, do, do clients tend to stick with you once they uh, once they try you out and find, hey, I'm getting some so, some some results here? Yeah. So you're not going to believe me, <laughs> but um, the last two years we've had negative churn. Negative churn. Um, so even though we may have lost a customer or two, and typically it's for you know kind of reasons out of our control or theirs, um, based on that compared with what we've grown our current customers. Um, that's what we see. Um, we have a net promoter score of over 80, which in HR technology is unheard of, right? I think, you know, minus 20 is the average net promoter score when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to uh, HR technology companies. Um, but it kind of gets to the point I was mentioning earlier about vision and passion. And one of the things that we always talk about is, that not everyone's in sales at WorkTango, everyone is in service. So it's one of our major values is make sure we're creating raving fans. Like if people aren't raving about our product and our people, then we haven't done a good enough job. Um, it's things where we bring up on our daily meetings where we're hearing value that we provide our customers. So it's this concentrated effort and, and, and I learned a lot of it from what we did at Achievers. Like I think we did a great job, but that has proven us that stickiness, that added service layer, um, and, uh, and then these people are on your side, right? They refer, they provide a lot more value when it comes to building new technology on what they visualize it looking like and whether that's, you know, our customer committees or so on. Um, so maybe a little, little longer answer than you wanted there, but, um, it, it, it's sticky because when you start making an impact, it's, it's really hard to rip away from, from your employees. That's exactly what I was thinking. So yeah, no, I, that was a great answer. Thank you. Do you, do you do the the daily stand up meetings like they used to do at Achievers? Maybe they still do at Achievers. Yeah, so we we do the daily tango. Um, it daily is, tango. Yeah, it's uh, it's fifteen minutes. I think it was like nine back in the day. Uh, it's pretty similar, and it's always a, a journey, right? It's different when you're you know, three employees to 20 to 50. I mean, we were doing it when it was like 300 <laughs> back at Achievers. Right. But we, we still do it um, and highlight the, you know, the items that we want to communicate on a regular basis to make sure it's top of mind for everyone. Right. So what are, what, what, what are the expectations for Work Tango? Are, do you think you've gone about as far as you can go or do you have lots more to, to do? Oh man, I hope not. Um, <laughs> there's a lot more we got to do. Um, I, there's three layers that you know I view the growth and next steps. Um, one is from a product and innovation perspective. So there are a lot of things that we want to continue to build, innovate, uh, and 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 our space is a, a kind of a pretty crowded one. But a lot of large organizations that are not moving very fast that we compete against. So we want to continue to take all the great feedback from our customers, take the vision we have and execute. So product is a, is a big one from an innovation perspective. The other one is from a growth perspective. So continuing to add on talent um, in different layers, whether it's not only technology, but from an advisory perspective and just, you know, and really grow our team. Um, but, and more from a sales and marketing perspective, because a lot of what we've done today, uh, there's been very limited resources in sales and marketing. We've just been lucky to have a few folks that have you know, done this in their past. Um, but the most important are the people. Um, I've always been a big proponent to start with who, then what. Um, you know, when people's eyes light up around a few things, our passion statement, right, improve work lives, our commitment to our customers, right, the, the, the love of making sure our customers are happy, 
And the other one is around our what we do. So whether it's the the analytics or the you know uh, solving problems for HR. If your eyes light up for two of the three, then it's then it, we know we found <laughs> someone. Um, so it's one of those things where if we get that one right, the other ones will come. Um, and and that literally is the focus. I know that's kind of pretty broad in terms of what does it look like, but you know we have kind of a good kind of three year vision that we just want to continue to execute on. Right. So the passion statement, it sounds like that's, uh, you, you mentioned it early on, and uh, and I thought it was sort of a passing thing, but it actually seems to be sort of a, a pillar, a cornerstone of the culture. I wish you could see me right now. I'm wearing a, a t-shirt that says, our passion is to improve work lives. <laughs> um, you know, everyone has one of those, but uh, it is a pillar. Um, and I think that you know, if you think about why people get out of bed every morning, why they're going to come to your startup, probably making less, you know, capital or sorry, less salary, um, you know, they, they really need to tie themselves to something that's above and beyond the job, above and beyond the, the paycheck they're getting. And, and what we wanted to do is if you start putting together a group of passionate people that are rallying around one vision or again, what we call our passion statement then you will see success. And, and you know, I was super lucky to be one of those folks that were involved in the Achievers journey where we had that, we had it in spades. These people have left Achievers to do amazing things. Um, I really want to build that again. Uh, and that passion statement is a cornerstone. Um, and, and it's basically, we had that before we even had the name Work Tango. Um, it was something <laughs> we were really, really uh, bullish on. Um, and, uh, and again, like if your eyes don't light up for it, then it's probably not the place for you. Have you hired people who it turned out didn't have passion for for that? For yeah, improving uh, work lives. I think it's it's happened on occasion. Um, you know, those people don't last very long. To be quite honest, um, you know, not uh, not to sound you know, bullish or anything, but uh, you know, I think it's kind of a higher, slow, fire fast uh, world that I think startups have to really adopt. Um, and again, it, you're setting a precedence for the next. 10, 20, 40, 100, you know, 300 Absolutely. employees that are there. So it's always uh, something in the back of our minds as a leadership team to make sure that, you know, we're, we're having that similar passion with everyone. It's just, it's, it's, too, um, it's too challenging to have everyone else going in one direction and someone else is just, you know, one individual is moving in another one. <laughs> and how, do, how does it help you in terms of... Um, recruiting talent and hiring people um, if they have all the technical capabilities but you don't see those eyes light up then does, does that pretty much guide your decision yeah it sucks because you really want to you know get that talent especially from a tech perspective um, but uh, but it does guide it um, I think it only gets it just gets harder when you have someone coming in just for the job. You can get a job anywhere, right? There's talented people that can work at any location. I actually think every person at Work Tango can work anywhere else. Without that added element, it, you know, it, again, it's what's the point? And I think that that's where, you know, we took a big risk in our personal lives, start Work Tango, go down that road, and, and it's brought us to success. And like I said, I've seen it before. So without it, we're really not that interested. Right. Can you tell us anything about the the financing of the company? Because obviously it was an expensive thing. Were you guys able to finance itself? Perhaps you had a, a, a equity windfall or something in your careers, um, or was it externally funded? 
Yeah, so I'd love to say that we made out like bandits and uh, changed our lives with uh, with achievers. That wasn't the case. It wasn't. <laughs> oh man, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was definitely impactful and helped. And um, but to your question, uh, WorkTango is completely bootstrapped. Um, we've not raised capital external at all. Um, we leveraged, you know, um, obviously, you know. It's all. It's a. It was a tough first couple of years, right? Our founders were not making salary uh, at all, or taking anything, putting it back into the business. Um, we went through the journey of you know raising fifty, sixty million back at our last company. We knew what that what that looks like and uh, what it can do to a culture, both po- both positively and and negatively. Uh, and at this moment, have decided to continue to you know uh, double and triple you know, over the last couple of years uh, without it. Um, and, and but the thing is, is we'll never say never. You know, we have the conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Re- yeah, we reevaluate it every quarter. It doesn't cost anything to listen, to talk to, you know, whether it is, you know, from a VC side or outside of investment perspective. Uh, and, and we're lucky to have contacts in that area. But um, we've, we've completely bootstrapped. That's uh, th- that's incredible. I didn't expect that. So fantastic. Congratulations on that. I appreciate it. What is the employee engagement rate at WorkTango? <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, I should know this, top of mind. <laughs> That's my role, chief engagement officer. I should know this. Uh, so the reason why I don't know it, like the exact number, is we measure it every week. Um, every week we have our. You can tell it. Uh, you can tell us what it was last week. Uh, that's acceptable. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it was all positive. So it, we basically we basically use a four scale. So it's like you know, uh, how do you feel? You know, this week, for example, um, and you know, no one was a one and a two. Everyone was a three and four. So so that's good. Um, and then there's other questions we pull into an index to calculate that. I just I, I don't remember what the exact calculation is. Uh, but we we definitely have good engagement. And this year so far, um, we're not looking at. We had no regrettable turnover, which is nice. Can you talk about the importance of transparency when growing your company? How do you build trust with your employees so that they are engaged and they, they, they do count on you, they do trust you to steer the ship? Yeah, so I think transparency is huge. Um, you know, I, I just talked about the example of, uh, you know, we do our weekly pulse in the organization, understand what they're feeling. Um, we even do things like, uh, you know, ask the company. So, you know, they can ask any leader every week a question that they want to know confidentially. And every week at our daily uh, meeting on the Mondays, we go through all those questions. And there are hard questions there, right? Not just about, you know, what's going well, but what are some of the challenges? What's the vision of, of you know, of a certain aspect of the organization? Why did we, did something go wrong? Maybe we lost a deal or something like that. And what I found is when you start building full transparency, and we do it on everything, on the metrics, on the numbers, on our funnel, on our runway, like the whole nine yards, um, that really starts building a trust level and a team atmosphere. Because it's not these secret things happening in the background. Um, it is everyone rallying towards the success of that company. And that success means the product and your customer happiness, your revenue, etc., um, and we go so as far as to show that data every single day with each department sharing those results. Um, it's hard as an entrepreneur because there's a huge vulnerability in saying when yeah. things don't go well. But the only way your team rallies about fixing things is if they know there's a problem. Um, and they can be creative and they can support it. And, and we leverage that a lot. When there's a challenge, it's kind of like a mini retrospective we do right every single week. We're like, what well, didn't go well? 
like, well, we lost this deal. This didn't happen. You know, a release or a, uh, a launch didn't go so well. We sit down and say, okay, what are we going to do differently next time? And people champion it. They raise their hand. And I find, again, with that transparency, you start building a true team. Uh, and there's nothing sitting, you know, uh, sitting in a closed room somewhere. That's beautiful. Yeah. Was, it, was, was, was this something you learned at Achievers or you just sort of figured out along the way? Uh, you know, I think we, we did do a lot of that early on. Um, and, uh, and it was something that was just part of, you know, the way that we ran our teams and eventually, you know, ran the company. Um, so I think there were, I've, I valued it a lot there. I think other people did as well and something we wanted to translate into work tango. One of the, uh, things that I think, one of the unfortunate things that happens when we talk with companies that are successful that have been doing really well is that we make it sound too easy. So you mentioned, yeah, you know, occasionally we, we lose a deal or this or something. So, so, so let's talk about um, the negative things that remind us that, man, this is a journey and it is hard and we do need strong teams because there are some days when nothing goes right. So what are some of the challenges you've faced as a leader uh, at Work Tango in building the business? Oh man, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, we can do a second podcast. All, all your nightmares in one place. Yeah, the F word, the failure word. Um, so you know, I guess I mentioned it earlier, right? Like we were a couple of years uh, into the journey without an ounce of revenue. We didn't even have salaries. Um, we threw out MV three MVPs out there, and we're getting feedback and trying to validate it. And and a lot of times when you and when you think about you know starting a company from scratch. Um, you just don't realize or know what's going to be thrown your way, you know, not only in the positive way, but in the negative way. So, you know, that's just a reality. I think it's uh, something people have to expect that's not, I, I don't know if you've ever seen that image where it says success isn't, you know, a straight line or linear. It's kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and it is, right? And it gets down to that kind of pivoting and, and kind of making those decisions. Um, but, you know, we, we deal with it all the time, right? We deal with, uh, you know, maybe talent from, you know, from a talent perspective, not working out or, uh, uh, people questioning how we do things, and, and that's when we sit down and in that transparent way, get everyone aligned on why we may do things or not. Um, you know, we do a retrospective every week of why we won a deal and why we lost a deal. Uh, and there's, you know, I'd love to say we won every deal that we go up, go up against, but we lose them. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's it's just that it's not about the losing and the frustration. It's like, what are we going to take out of it? So we always approach a negative, a negative item like that as a retrospective to say, what are we doing differently? Can we? Is it in our control? And and most times it is, right? And you can do something about it. Um, so, you know, so, so sorry, l l help me understand that, please. So if if you, if you lose a deal, who sits around and talks about it? I mean, I I love the idea, learning from failure. Those are the best learnings. Those are the best. I that's where the best ideas, the best insights come from. And if there are engage people talking about it, then that's the very best possible outcome. So, so who's involved and where do they meet and how long do they, do they chew on this? Yeah, so every uh, every Monday morning, early time because uh, for us, because we have a team in Denmark, <laughs> but uh, we spend an hour and a half uh, just the leadership team going through uh, you know a specific agenda, and that is one of them. Uh, and the great part about that is there's you know there's a leader from every facet of the business, right? In sales, in marketing, in you know product, um, in our customer world. So now it's a little more holistic. Where when we're losing deals, it's not just because sales couldn't close it. We have a good understanding of how to prioritize other parts of the business. 
Um, then what we do from a, uh, a sales and customer side of things, so kind of two different teams, that same agenda item gets brought up and what we learned and what we're going to do differently. Um, and it's and it's just good for people to know, you know, why we might fail and get their feedback on how we could fix it because they've seen another customer do it or have done it themselves. Um, it's always harder when you get bigger because you, you know, you know everything as an entrepreneur in the first year, and then <laughs> you don't know anything. Like things happen, and you're amazed that they just take place. But those are the people where you're going to see real impact. So that's how we structure it um, and make it again a weekly process that we go through right. Rob can you give me an example and it could almost be hypothetical you certainly don't have to name names but tell me about a, a deal or some other event that you postmortemed and and got a new idea out of or realized that's what we did wrong that that, that, that led to a breakthrough yeah so uh, you know more of a kind of slash hypothetical slash real and <laughs> not using real names and, and yeah, things like that yeah. is we had a, you know, a large retailer, uh, probably above 15,000 employees, you know, launch their first survey with Rectango. And it was with every, you know, um, every part of the organization, every employee and complicated, right? You have people on technology, not on technology. Um, the launch did uh, not go as well when it came to the levels of response rates that we usually see. And there were just so many questions and issues. Like there, you know, when I said everyone's in customer support, like everyone can answer a customer inquiry that can come through through our customers, and we were just getting buried. Now, you know, obviously the negative part of that is the employee, or sorry, the customer didn't see response rates they wanted to. We started getting blasted with, you know, with all those inquiries because something just wasn't right. When we sat down and said, here, let's do a quick retrospective on that, we started getting ideas from the other you know client relationship folks other leaders in the organization that have maybe experienced this before or have, have remedied it and and started getting insights from them and w there were a lot around the communication levels there were a lot around uh, there was a kind of a, a feature that we had in our in our technology stack that was new that we didn't really educate people on that would have helped and was used in a more recent one um, and it was just that level of sitting down coming up for air and saying here's what we messed up here's a new process going forward and put it into that. Um, that was just an example where the next time we had a giant launch like that, it just went smoothly. Um, so I, I think it's funny because half of it, people focus on the problem. Like this is what happened. It was the issue. But when we start talking about what the peripheral kind of impact was, on the team that you know got blasted, on the happiness of a customer, on our KPIs we measure every day, that's when people start seeing more context. Um, and that's the way we approach it. But I mean, it's happened and, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen again. It will. <laughs> but it's about how we approach it. Right. Perfect. That's a great answer. Thank you so much. Second last question for you. What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your entrepreneurial journey at Work Tango? Wow. Um, I would say that I... I wish someone said that it's probably going to be a couple of years till you start earning revenue, especially when you and your co-founder aren't tech. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like it's great you have a vision and a passion and things you want to accomplish, but there's a time between getting that product up and running. There's a time to get in people's hands to get feedback and beta it. There's a time crunching, you know, honing the message and putting it in front of folks that are willing to pay. Um, and, and I didn't think that two years down the road we'd be, you know, starting that that journey. Um, 
and maybe it's because I, you know, never built technology before or wasn't involved in, you know, uh, in that per se. You know, when we when I went to Achievers or I Love Rewards at that time, there was a bit of a business that had, you know, it already started for a couple of years under the Snap Promotions brain. You know, I'm sure Razor lived all that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's a lot longer than what I had expected, and. Um, I've seen some very successful entrepreneurs figure out the tech side, get in people's hands, still keep their you know part-time jobs so they're not stressed about salary. Uh, and and you know maybe I would have, I, I maybe I would have taken a different approach with that level of insight. Interesting, but you're trying to sell innovation. You're not selling um, a a, tan- a tangible product. Um, you're selling something new. Is is that is is that essentially what the the barrier was? No, I mean, you know, what we created wasn't unheard of in the space. It wasn't, you know, it was kind of innovative in terms of some of the approaches, but it was really just like th- there's a huge time frame from the vision, from putting it on paper, to getting someone to build it, to testing to see if anyone even likes it, <laughs> uh, to learning how to m- modify that. And just the concept of just get an MVP out there is is simple in its, in its concept. But like all the steps required to get it out there and maybe it'll stick, maybe it won't. And then you find yourself, you know, a little longer down the road where maybe you didn't set yourself up to not have any revenue or not able to get financing externally. Um, so it's just it's a time frame and it, it's a uh, you know, I wish I knew it would have take that long. All right. I think I've taken away a lot of uh, really good things from this conversation about the importance of passion even over mission in, in an organization. Uh, not everyone's in sales, but everyone's in service, uh, building a culture to succeed, uh, building a team, transparency and authenticity and disclosure are so important, to, uh, not just in terms of engagement, but also in fixing situations and being, being, being uh, rallying together, as you said, to uh, solve a problem. You can only do that if everyone knows exactly what the problem is. So, You've done a lot of wonderful things, including learning the values of patience. So (laughs) those are very valuable lessons for our listeners. Thank you so much. Final question to you. What's the most actionable piece of advice that you'd like entrepreneurs to take away from this conversation? So this is really recent for me, but um, Simon Sinek has uh, just put out a new book uh, called The Infinite Game. And the concept around... This, this idea is that there's two types of games, right? One is it's a game. You play hockey, there's a winner or loser at the end, and that's it, right? And then there's this infinite game where in business, like you might be on top of the world as you know, Microsoft one day, and then you're not. Um, and there's, just, there's always going to be another competitor. There's always someone that can build a technology today in their, you know, in their garage better than yours. And this idea that if you continue to have something else like a, um, what he calls a just cause and a purpose and this other element that goes beyond just your business, that's where you'll find successful. Or that's where you'll find success. And it's not in, you know, very different than when we talk about our passion statement. But there has to be something in it above and beyond making a few bucks as an entrepreneur. That's nice. It's great. I hope it comes. But everyone keeps asking me, what's your exit strategy? I'm like, happy customers and a great product. Um, <laughs> so this concept of like, we're not going to win business, right? So this infinite game idea, think about it beyond you know, the dollars and cents of of your revenues and your profits, think about it at doing something that's more impactful and that will lead you to success as opposed to, you know, just trying to, to earn a buck. I've said this before. I have to stop repeating words, but I, th- I think that's beautiful. I think that's, re- that's really inspiring. 
And, and I think that is the way more and more people are looking at business today. It gives us a little bit of hope in a world that's not always living its values. Rob Catalano, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing the story of Work Tangle and a lot of your strategies and tactics in uh, breaking through into the corporate market, making a difference in people's work lives and in people's lives. Uh, thank you for sharing all that information with the, the community at Startup Canada. Yeah, no, I appreciate having me and, and just uh, kudos to you and the team there. You're doing a lot for us uh, as entrepreneurs in our country. And uh, yeah, keep, keep it going. <laughs> All right. Thank you. We'll talk again. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.